Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And I've got the perfect opportunity to expand your life today into space. Because joining me today is Beth Mund. She is a former NASA public affairs officer, uh, sometimes better known as a space geek. But Beth is also a speaker and a podcaster and someone who is going to open our eyes to some fun things today. Welcome to the show, Beth. Hello, Dr. Paul. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing great. And you know what? I'm excited to talk to somebody about space. I love talking space. (laughs) Well, and this is what your podcast is about too, right? Yes. The Casual Space Podcast is exactly that. It's our casual conversations about all things space and space exploration, and we love geeking out. Oh, fun. You know what? I got to hear recently Captain Scott Kelly. (gasps) Well, you took a gasp because you know who this is. Of course. He came to Salt Lake City for uh, the Wasatch Speaker Series, and he spent about an hour with us at a Bravenel Hall, showing us pictures, sharing stories. This man, I can't remember how many days he lived in space, but he lived on the International Space Station. Um, And he has some perspectives from that that are just... Mind-blowing. Um, it's, it's a different experience, I think, for people to leave the planet <laughs> and look back down on it. That changes the perspective. And you've oh, yes. been involved in the space industry now for how long? Well, my whole life and officially with NASA for several years in several different locations. I worked at the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, And then I worked at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. But I'm still very much a NASA advocate, and I'm always going to be a space geek. So Scott Kelly, Commander Kelly, was the commander for the International Space Station. I'm so glad you got to see him speak because his experience is one that needs to be shared. And his perspective, like most astronauts, they come back from seeing the Earth as a fragile, beautiful, very impressive floating planet that we call home. And they come home with a new perspective that they just want to share and they want to enhance and they want to improve. Because as you've heard from Commander Kelly, there's no lines on the map on the earth when you look back from space. So there's no borders. We're all people living on it together. And that's probably the perspective he came back with. Mm -hmm. So you want to protect that. You really want to protect it and encourage it to be the best place we can all share. That's one of the things that stuck with me, Beth, as he was speaking. You don't see borders except where the water meets the earth. Yes. Yeah. But even that, I I got a chance to listen to also Dr. Robert Ballard. Okay. 
And you may not know him because he explores a different kind of space. He's an ocean explorer. Sure. He captains a ship called the Nautilus, named after the submarine from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. And even, even that border between the land and the water is just something that we see because of our perception. When you go under the water, you can see that the land continues down un- under the water. Yeah. And our borders are so arbitrary. Did uh, you know that we have astronauts in space and we have aquanauts under the water that live underneath the, the ocean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all here on this planet together. Yeah. Which is maybe a great place to start our conversation because there, there are some things to be learned, I think, from that perspective. And Beth, I know you've thought about this a lot because you, you talk to people about it, you teach people about this and speak about it. What, what are some of those lessons that you've gleaned from this rich experience? Well, one of the biggest lessons I took from working at NASA was to always be prepared. And that sounds so simple, and yet it's Mm -hmm. very, very difficult. Being prepared in life means that you have to think forward, think future just enough. And a lot of times people will, sometimes they'll say to me, well, Beth, sometimes that means thinking about the good and the bad, and that's not always pleasant. And to that I say, well, you know, when you buy a car, you always expect it to work safely and gets you to where you're going. Right. But a a car, like most things in life, they're not guaranteed and they're not guaranteed to run effectively and efficiently. 100% of the time, we're lucky and we're we're benefited when they do. But having a plan when having a car is simple. If it breaks down, what's your plan? If you run out of gas, what's your plan? If you didn't charge it up enough, if it's an electric car, what is your plan? And that's just simple. That's just something we're going to think about as human beings. And life is no different. If you have an emergency, what is your plan? If you have an unexpected life event, what's the plan? If you have a joyous life celebration, what's that plan? Not all plans have to be tragic or difficult. They can be wonderful. And even if you plan an engagement or a wedding or a graduation or a baby, you better have a plan. (laughs) And so NASA taught me, like none other agency I've ever worked for, NASA taught me that you need a plan and then you need a plan that's a backup plan for that plan because that's just NASA. They are so prepared. They've gone through every single anomaly and they're ready for whatever happens. I love this idea, Beth. I want to adjust the way we're talking about it just a fraction because you kept using the word if. If. And and I'm like, isn't when... (laughs) An appropriate word, because really, honestly, how often do things go exactly as planned? And how often? often. (laughs) And and so you're saying, you know, what if something unexpected happens? I think something unexpected is going to happen. Well, something unexpected recently did happen, and you're so right, because NASA doesn't use terms like if. I do, because we're talking casually, but NASA... NASA literally had, NASA and our partner in Russia 
had what we called a successful aborted launch. And this is the first time it's ever happened in human history where the Russian rocket Soyuz, which is what's carrying our astronauts up and down right now to the International Space Station because we have no we don't have a shuttle anymore. That right. system retired a few years ago. So, we put everyone on a Soyuz. It's a very small capsule and we launched to space. Well, the launch was aborted. The vehicle, the Soyuz, came off the top of the rocket and safely parachuted down in the Kazakhstan desert. This was two months ago, and those people, those astronauts, were safe and sound, and they were recovered, and they were brought back, and they're going to launch again really soon. But that's never happened before. But guess what? NASA and the Roscosmos Space Agency made those plans. So actually, when we as people, everyday folks, see a launch that got aborted, we think something went wrong. But NASA had planned for something like that to go wrong all along, and it was successful in the sense that everyone survived, the rocket and the people were recovered, and we're going to do it again. So those plans were made so that we could be successful. Right. Yeah. I joke with my insurance guy about this sometimes. <laughs> I remember when I was getting life insurance and he says, well, Dr. Paul, we need to set you up, for, you know, in, if you were to die then. And I, I said, well, don't you mean when <laughs> I die? Because I'm kind of planning on that. <laughs> Not that I'm, you know, suicidal. Not tomorrow. Right. I just know that nobody gets out of this alive. <laughs> And so it's okay. What I'm getting from you, Beth, it's okay. And probably a really great idea to plan for it. Yes. Plan for failure. Failure helps us grow and failure helps us learn. You know, there's a famous saying in mission control, failure is not an option. And that's something that was said back in the late 50s when we were charging forward to go to the, to the moon. And allegedly, it's a quote that was also said when we were trying to get the crew back from one of the Apollo missions and we were right. getting them back safely. And in that sense, getting them back alive, that was not to fail. And that's really where that quote came from. But even Buzz Aldrin himself said, you've got to plan for failure. Failure is very much an option. We can't learn unless we fail. Mm -hmm. Not only an option, probably a certainty. Yes. I don't know if you've got all the statistics, Beth, but how, how many times did NASA get it exactly right the first time? Oh, gosh. Have you ever seen, have you seen the early footage of some of the Redstone rockets when Werner von Braun was working oh, yeah. and they all blew up on the pad and they, or they launched maybe three or five feet and then they exploded. So mm -hmm. never on the first time. However, when the shuttle was introduced as the new space transportation system, they said, listen, there will be at least within a 25 year period, two shuttles that will not be successful. And that statistically is exactly what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. Right. It's the world we live in, isn't it? Right. The planning helps us to anticipate and prepare for anything that could happen. And we can't anticipate everything that could happen. But the things that we can, obviously, we want to, to do some planning. I love yeah. that. Yeah. 
Beth, as we come back from this break, I know that there are so many more rich experiences that you could share with us. As we come back from this break, let's talk about some of the applications that you've found for how this relates to all of us. Okay. Sounds That'll great. Awesome. Everybody, this is Beth Mund at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Do you dream of making a bigger difference more of the time? Have you thought about life coaching as something that you would like to offer? If you are an influencer or a speaker or a leader or a coach, this webinar is for you. In this webinar, I'll share with you seven important clarities that are absolutely essential to setting up a successful life coaching practice. If you're ready to take some courageous steps to add life coaching to the services you offer your clients, register now at liveonpurpose.coach forward slash webinar. That's liveonpurpose.coach.com forward slash webinar. And we're back. This is Beth Mund at Live On Purpose Radio today. The Space Geek finally shows up on my show. <laughs> Hello. I hope it's okay to call you a space geek. I encourage it. Please do. Yes. Because you totally are, you know. I am all the time to the point where even my kids are like, oh, mom. And then when I hear that, you know, quietly off on their own without any influence or input from me, they do their science project on Mars or they do a project about the moon. I, I like to think that that has rubbed off a little bit. It probably has. <laughs> and you know what? What a universal thing. I think we've all, at some point, we've gazed up into the heavens. You know, For and many just years, yeah, since the honor. early, early days of the cavemen when they saw paintings of their interpretations of the stars. We've always wondered what's above us, what are the things in the heavens, what happens, how did we get here, are we alone? These are the questions we've thought about for ages. What do you think about that? Are we alone, Beth? No, definitely no. I love thinking about how unique and special and fragile we are. And yet, yeah. how if you look at the odds, and if you look at our neighboring universes, and I said, yes, universes and solar systems, and now they're discovering what they call these planets that are possible other life-bearing or life-assisting planets, and some are pretty close, and they've been discovered more frequently now than ever, and that just gets my mind so excited to think about, you know, maybe the, as we call them, aliens, they don't look like us, maybe they're a different form, or maybe they don't even have eyes, or they breathe differently, but that's not to say just because they might look like a snail or a amoeba or a bacteria doesn't mean they're not alive. So yeah. yes, I think there's life. You know, Commander Kelly said that too. Oh, well, I'm glad we agree. <laughs> it, and it, it came down to the same thing. You know, the odds are yeah. in favor. And yeah. it's it, it would be really weird. I think he's the one who said this. It would be really weird if we were alone. 
I would be a little scared. I would be scared and I would want my, I still do want my life to be super meaningful and purposeful and inspired. And I am, but I would also love to know if there were anything else out there, just knowing I wouldn't even have to talk to them or get to know them or (laughs) visit with them. But just knowing that would make me feel so incredibly impressed. Yes. How about you? Have you ever seen anything or... You know what? I, I feel a similar thing. Yeah. I think, you know what? We all suffer from what I call as a psychologist, the special case syndrome. And the special case syndrome is that we know inside of our own mind that we're special. (laughs) Well, we are made from stars and that's pretty special. And yes, we're special just like everybody else. (laughs) True. And so we get out of the special case syndrome and we realize, you know what? We are special, but we're not a special case. And there's a difference Mm -hmm. because I think every human being is unique and special. Absolutely. And that's not unique. And that's how you're not a special case. So that opens us up. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier about there's no borders. You know, when you look at the earth, it's all one big place that we share together. We are all unified in ways that I think it's important for us to understand. Right. And our specialness, our individuality allows us to serve each other in ways that are unique. That's true. And you probably saw this as you got into NASA. NASA, Beth, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a big deal. It's pretty and you cool. Just walked in the front door. No, no, sir. I did not. No way. <laughs> I, I wish. You into that. I know. What did it take? It took, well, first I started as a little girl, just being inspired and being an avid learner. And I found out about an opportunity called Space Camp. Have you ever heard of Space oh, Camp? Yeah. 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 So I got to go and when people tease me about space camp or they bring a smile to their face, I always love reminding them that there have been five, five female astronauts who started just like me as little girls at space camp who went on to study their sciences and become astronauts. So whenever people give a little shrug or a chuckle to space camp, I think to myself, go right ahead and laugh. But for many people, that's where it all starts. So fast forward years later, I'm in the hallway at the Johnson Space Center. I finally make it to NASA after several applications that get rejected. And then the one that I finally get accepted on, it was so perfectly fitted for me and my skills and my talents, which was to enhance my writing and speaking skills to tell the story of the space agency's human spaceflight program. And so Johnson Space Center is the center that is the only one focused on human spaceflight. So there's 10 NASA centers all across the United States, and each one has a different focus. One has planetary science, one has rocket science, literally testing the rockets. It is rockets. And all kinds and so on and so forth. So when I'm at the Johnson Space Center, our focus was human spaceflight. And that was the center where the astronauts worked, lived, and trained. So everything about it was preparing to send humans into space. And one day I was walking down the hall and I ran into another fellow colleague 
from space camp. So we all have our start moments, you know, where we started. But for me, I just thought space camp was a special place where all of us space geeks could come together and really enhance and develop our skills and have a wonderful fun time. And most of us did go on to have jobs in space-based careers or science-based careers. And so I'm really proud of that. And then, like you had asked, it did not take me walking through the front door. I actually had a very thorough interview process. And then when I finally got accepted, I was sworn in as a civil servant. Ah. Wow. At NASA. Yeah, NASA. It was so great. Yeah. Well, Beth, you kind of <laughs> glossed over something that I think deserves a little more attention. What's that? You were rejected. <laughs> yeah, several times. I caught, and you didn't just quit? No, sir. There's, there was something in my heart that was without a doubt taking me, I knew way back way back when, when I was in high school, that I was going to work for NASA. And at first I thought the only traditional path was to go into the Air Force or a military-based institution and work my way in that way. But as it turned out, I'm so grateful for my rejections because those jobs would not have matched up with my skills. I would have been working in one of the careers that wasn't exactly what I loved. Yes. So writing and communicating and telling the story of NASA and the assembly of the International Space Station was what I did, and I couldn't have enjoyed it more. So thank you for those rejection letters, NASA. And by the way, even though I'm no longer with NASA, I have built up my current folder. I have been rejected from SpaceX, Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic. I have about two from every commercial-spaced institution right now. And I'm so fine with that because I'm enjoying the process. <laughs> You're collecting them. Kind of. It's okay. <laughs> Beth, again, you said rejection letters, plural. Yes. Yeah. NASA. Yeah. <laughs> This has become so commonplace to you that I'm, I, I want to really emphasize the importance of what you're saying here. And this is, it's kind of like what you said in the first half, Beth, about we've got to do some planning and preparation. I think you're talking about persistence now. Yes. Where plan on being rejected. Sure. Plan on what am I going to do when? Because a lot of times we take that rejection and it's like, oh, well, that didn't work. And rejection hurts and rejection is hard. But I'm telling you that if I would have, I was invited to complete the application process to be an earth observing scientist writer for another NASA center in another part of the country. And I'm so grateful I didn't end up there. It would have been a great opportunity, but not one that fits me. And rejection is universal. We get rejected in relationships. We get rejected in our career paths. And look what happens when we don't do that or we don't get to follow that through. Yes, we go through a period of sadness and remorse and questioning ourselves and our abilities. Right. But when you're really clear and focused and determined like I was with NASA, I nothing stopped me. I didn't care. I just kept applying and I'm going to continue even currently. And the things that are keeping me nowadays when I get those rejection letters are, 
I'm actually really grateful because I'm not ready to pack up my family and relocate across the country if I got a job yet. And they have to be a pretty darn good offer, it right? It would. And it would have to match and everything needs to fall in line for me to have that acceptance again in order for me to really enjoy it. And I'm so grateful I'm at that place in my career right now. So yes. it's okay to be rejected. And yes, like you said, you have to plan on it so mm. that the next time they ask you, you're ready. Right. Wow. You know what? There's so much live on purpose built into what we're talking about yes. here today. Beth, I'm, I'm so glad that we connected here. I know that there are going to be some of our listeners who will be maybe, you know, they're, they're closet space geeks themselves. <laughs> good, good. Or, or maybe it's something that you've said has resonated with them. You've got your podcast called Casual Space. Yes. And how can people find that the, the best? Oh, I would love to invite you to the podcast because whether you're a student or whether you're a grandmother or everything in between, we geek out and have a ton of fun doing it. The podcast is not technical. We don't use words that are acronyms that I once had at NASA. We have these casual conversations about space just like you and I are having today, Dr. Paul. And mm. so I also want to remind audience listening to your show that recently last year, 15,000 applicants wanted to be astronauts and 12 were selected. So when it comes to rejection, that's pretty impressive and powerful. And a lot of astronauts will apply two or three times. So we all have to plan on rejection. So the show Casual Space Podcast is fun. I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying doing it. Thank you so much for having mm. the message that I get to share there. And you can find it at bethmun.com slash casual space. And then the website also bethmund.com spelled B-E-T-H-M-U-N-D. That's where they can connect with you. Yes. And if you have a question, you can contact me directly at askbeth at casualspacepodcast.com. Oh, there you go. Beth, thank you so much for joining us today at Live On Purpose Radio. Thank you for having this Space Geek on. It's been so much fun talking to you. It has been fun. And for all of you listeners, hopefully something has connected with you that will assist you in your ability to plan and prepare and, and live with persistence. Uh, you may not be going to the International Space Station, but <laughs> whatever it is that you're working on is important enough to persist and give it that kind of attention. So it's time, everybody. You've heard it from Beth Mund, the Space Geek. Let's go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.